Hello and welcome to this special episode of Blood on the Thames, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast and livestream. During this very short break between books 1 and 2 of the Chronicle, we're going to release four special episodes of the podcast, each detailing the embrace of one of the members of the Coterie. It's worth noting that these were recorded prior to the release of Vampire's 5th edition, and use the 20th anniversary rulebook, for the astute amongst you that notice that something seems a little odd. However, the events are wholly canonical, and nothing has changed about these characters with the introduction of the new edition. And now, finally, welcome to the brutal murder of Jim Roy Woods. The last time you encountered that strange woman, it was extremely strange everything she said the way she acted it was memorable and despite her insistence that you forget about her that you move on and forget the entire event that happened if anything she has made it twice as hard for you to do that she preoccupies your thoughts the whole event you driving down that road away from work, you seeing her with that, whatever the hell it was, that, that bear, that that creature, that monster, the sensations and the fears that you felt there, you do not forget them. Every time you think of that creature, there is a deep primal fear that you experience in the base of your stomach, and it it does not leave. You have nightmares about it. You You wake sometimes in a cold sweat thinking about her, thinking about the look she gave you when you were driving away and she was glancing towards the blood on your hands and the way she spoke to you and the things she said, you remember it all in crystal detail and even though you try and push it from your mind, even though you try and do what she told you to, for you very, very much believe her threat it's impossible. It's like experiencing a miracle and being told, don't think about it, stop. It doesn't, it changes your life. And although you go back to your routine, you go back to your job, you go back to entertaining your colleagues as best you can, you are always on the lookout for her. Whether you mean to or not, you look back towards the place that you saw her sit in that uh, in that club. You look towards the alleyway where she took you and spoke to you every time you pass it. But she's not there. What do you spend your free time doing in the wake of this long, long period of haunting fixation following your encounter with that woman? Uh, certainly initially trying to throw myself into something else to forget but um, probably more and more a little drawn to those locations still trying to resist the pull but getting progressively harder over time. So you go back to those locations? Yeah. Okay. Trying to be inconspicuous because the threat is real. Okay. It. Nothing changes. Every time you go back to these places, 
She's not there. Although you find yourself wishing she was. Regardless of whether that seems like a natural desire or something that is inherently repulsive as an idea, given what your encounters with her have been like, you keep hoping to see her. And on the rare occasion where you do see someone that looks similar in build or height or general appearance or wearing the same clothes that she was wearing, you're drawn to them. And sometimes you find yourself walking towards them before you catch yourself what you're doing. And it's in that brief moment of self-control returning to you that whenever they turn away or whenever they'd look towards you, you'd recognize it's not them. And the regret you feel is surprising and strong. And then finally, after a few weeks, you see her again. Although it's, it takes a bit of convincing of yourself to, to make yourself aware of the fact that you did see her. Because when you do gl glimpse her, she is on the, the, the peripheral edge of your vision and you know you've seen her. Even if it's just in the reflection in a mirror, you, you glance and you see her there, absolute clear as day. And then you turn and she's, she's not there. And then when you walk home, you can hear the tread or you can hear a voice which sounds eerily familiar. And as you glance back, you, you're expecting her to be there or you're expecting her to be so close that you could feel her, but she's not. And then when you go to sleep and you flick out the light and you, and you begin lapsing into those nightmares again, once or twice, you are certain, although you spend a lot of your time trying to, trying to convince yourself that it couldn't possibly be happening. When you fall asleep, as the lights flick off, in the outline of the window there is a dark silhouette of someone at your window staring in. And the horror and the kind of gut-wrenching churning of someone's there immediately is replaced by she's there. And you see her just looking in. And then as you reach and flick on the light, in that brief moment of you reaching and finding the light in the dark, she's gone. And you are more certain than ever that she, these aren't imaginings. These, these are real. She is there. But try as hard as you might, you cannot seem to find her. So what do you do? Fine. Don't we try and still keep with the with the normal routine, but try and like with the appearance of the window, move the light closer so I can reach it without without looking for it, and trying to trying to be a little smarter in the way of catching catching her actually there. Okay. It takes another couple of days after you've done these precautions and although you are more aware and you are more prepared, you don't glimpse her again, at least not at your window, at least not in any way where you can fixate on her. When you catch a glimpse of something, it's more a shape or the coloration of someone's dress and when you glance around, perhaps you, mistake, you, you mistook something else, but you never see her direct on again. You never have something to fixate on. And there is a part of you that thinks perhaps you truly are in, you truly are imagining this. Perhaps there truly was 
you know, this has all got to be a bad dream. I mean, what the hell could you have possibly seen on that road? How the hell was she whole when you saw her as a bloody pulp in the side of your car? And how the hell can you not find this woman now, but you see her everywhere you go? And then when you do see her again, it's not in the normal way that you've come become accustomed to glimpsing her. It's as you're walking late back after a night of drinking, everybody, you've had a bit to drink now. The, the frustration of not knowing what's going on encourages you to drink a bit more um, than you normally would. And as you leave in the club and you're walking back down the road, just out of habit, you glimpse down that alleyway and then you stop and look back. And she is there, but she is kind of almost coiled in a standard, in, in a stance that is halfway between being fully erect and being doubled over, almost as though she's wreathing between the two. And then as you kind of fixate, you realize that the reason that she's bent over is because she's lifting something and then lowering it and lifting something, almost as though she's kind of rhythmically uh, twisting her body in towards something. And then she suddenly stops. And as she kind of slowly twists and glancing your way, you see a very pale face and the blood around that mouth which you recognize. And the figure that's in her hands is, before it is a figure, is a young man who is just, um, you can't tell whether he's dead or unconscious, but the, the blood on his neck suggests the former. And as you kind of stare at this scene, she just looks at you for a long moment and then picks him up bodily. With impossible strength given her size and the size of this individual, she picks him up bodily and just still looking at you, just backs slowly into the alleyway. And then in the last moment, and then she slips behind the dumpster. What do you do? I'm just stood there, frozen, just, just um, frozen between the idea of going towards, going away. I just stood there frozen, just what the hell? You maintain a watch on this, this alleyway, frozen in place, uh, gripped by uncertainty. She doesn't emerge again, and, and not a lot of light reaches the far end of this alleyway. But there's a multitude of people going back and forth, and it's it's a part of your mind that's asking the question, why aren't these people, why what? Why aren't they looking, why, why did no one else see this? There was, there was a guy there, she picked him up, he was bleeding. She was bloody, she was eating him or something that is what you saw you this time you know she's there you you've seen this this you're not imagining it anymore this is real you've seen this so what are you going to do so after the last uh, bit of seeing there for a bit i'm very slowly and carefully follow okay you move further down the alleyway and it's just just started to rain and you can feel the patter of raindrops upon your head on your shoulders kind of dampening the clothes that you've chosen just to to go out nothing flashy but it's, it's practical it's something that looks like you've made an effort but unlike the people around you which are quickening their pace to try and get out of the rain you moving with a very very slow purposeful speed towards this alleyway 
and you're watching the end of it where it twists off towards the side, expecting to see movement. And you take another step. And you take another step. And you listen. And you can hear from around the corner. Still very slowly and heap around the corner. The moment you turn around the corner, your eyes are drawn towards the floor and against the corner, his eyes closed, flickering almost as though he's caught in a dream. It's the individual that you saw her clutching. And he's, he's, he's pale, but he's breathing. Um, and whilst there are smears of red upon his neck, there's no evidence of uh, injury. There's no, there's no cuts. There's no abrasions or anything like that. And even in your quick glance, you're certain that he's, he's fine. But that blood is, is still there and it's still real. And the breathing that you hear the <gasps> is coming from him, almost like he's breathing through a broken rib. Um, and you glance around down this stunted area of alleyway and the short wall which kind of separates it from the next the next street over and there's no one else there does it look like uh, he'd be able to move on his own given a bit of time uh, do a intelligence plus medicine. Difficulty five. One uh, success to so nine and okay. two. Given how pale he is and, and the blood that you saw on him and the blood you 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 swear you saw on her face, it's there wasn't a lot of it and. From what you recall walking down the alleyway, there wasn't any traces of it on the ground. And this was before the rain had started to fall, so that it couldn't have been washed away. He's not lost a lot of blood. However, based upon the sound of his breathing, it's very likely that he's suffering from a broken rib. But you can't see any other evidence of injury. But as you kind of lean in and just do a very cursory inspection, you can kind of see as you kind of lift away the jacket the way that he's kind of twisted is like someone has basically broken his ribs inwards. But aside from that and the heaviness of his breathing and the pale taint of his flesh, you don't think he's in serious, he's in risk, a heavy risk. He's injured, certainly. Um, you can't tell whether or not he's, his life's at risk. I need to um, have a look around, see if there's, if I can figure out anywhere that she may likely have gone. Okay. You glance around there, based upon at the end, um, as you come around the back of the building, you have the building off towards your left. You have the uh, one of the dumpsters around the corner from where you've just come. And then what made up the end of this corridor and the wall of this corridor towards your right is a wall that's a good five six foot high which separates this alleyway from the street besides it she could have gone up and over the wall that's the only place unless she broke into the door at the very far end of this alleyway which allows you to get into the building to your left 
those are the only two ways that you, at a cursory glance, could imagine she's gone. I'll have a little, see if I can have a little look over the wall. Okay. Um, we'll say strength plus athletics. Difficulty. Difficulty five. That's a three pass. Three successes. So it doesn't take you much effort to get up and over the wall. Um, with a simple couple of steps, head start, you rush towards the wall and bound up it with a single push. And you, you lift yourself up and perched on it, you glance down at the street and there's people moving back and forth, completely oblivious. One or two on the other side of the road just kind of glances over and looks at you. But in seeing you coming up and over the wall, they immediately just drop their eyes and just keep walking. Um, a bus comes around the corner and is moving off in the distance. Cars are moving back and forth. Street lights illuminating the place. The rain continues to fall, but you cannot see her on this street. Uh, and then come back down and check the doors okay. broken. You move up towards the, the door at the end of this. It's a, it's a, it's a good metal door. Um, and as you kind of test the handle, it's it's it gives, but the door doesn't move. It's locked. So I'm figuring that no way I can find it from this. Um, um, I'm pretty sure he'd be fine in there if I, if I left him there. You, there's nothing to suggest that it's life-threatening. He's clearly been injured, but you don't think he's going to die. Um, what, what, what else does he look like? Does he look like he's just someone who, who just potentially had been just walking around just through this alleyway? Yeah, he's, he's not dressed like someone that would have gone out clubbing. He, he looks like someone that's just... Just wear it. Well, if he is someone that goes out clubbing, he's, he's not going, going with the intention of pairing up with anyone. He's It's more practical clothes than um, clothes worn to look good. It looks like he was just someone that was encountered her on the street who was doing something or another. Can I want to... Um... Can I find a phone on him? You can check. If you yeah. you pat him down, okay. You go through you as you begin touching down his pockets. You realise that um, there's still a phone there. There's uh, he he has a wallet on him, um, which uh, if you open up, uh, he has a driver's license in there that basically says his uh, name is Michael Chase. Um, there's, it doesn't look like any money's been taken. There, there's cards in there. There's um, a couple of tenors. There's, uh, there's a change in the side pocket. Um, the phone is on half battery. Uh, it's got a lock screen with a um, that's blocking you out, but otherwise it appears undamaged. So I can't use the phone to uh, like call an ambulance or something? You can try and break into it. I give it a go. Okay, we will say that was an intelligence plus, we'll say computers, um, 
No, actually, we'll say technology. Difficulty six. Ten, six, and one. Alright, so one success. It takes you a couple of tries, but just as you have finished the second try, you, you pause, you flick off the light in the, 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 the side of the screen, and you glance towards the, the, the glass panel, and you notice there's smears on th four particular numbers. So, through a long, slow process of elimination, you try various combinations of these four numbers, and eventually it comes comes alive in your hands and you can see the picture of what looks to be a child in maybe seven eight um in primary school uniform uh who's there with this individual at your feet um you always use the phone to call ambulance say where i found where i found the guy okay um you know, click the phone off rub rub it on first try and get the fingerprints then uh, leave it with them and, and go. Okay. Um, you give as much details as you can, and then before they can start asking more probing questions, you, you hang up, replace it after wiping it down. What do you do then? Um, so leave the phone with them, take one last look around the area, and go. Okay. You you do another quick cursory inspection, but be, uh, beside that door, which is it, it's clearly not been broken open, um, and the wall. It, she must have gone that way. Um, you didn't hear her go up and over it. Um, and if she did, well, she must have. There's multiple places she could have gone. There's there's storefronts there. There was a bus that was just leaving. There's cars going back and forth, although unless she had a car parked, maybe not. Um, foot traffic going each way. So where are you going? Where are you, where are you leaving for now? I'm just... Um Going back to work for the original route I was going. Good. Okay. No way I'm going to find her now. Okay. You return back to the street. The, the the drunk buzz you had earlier is wearing off in the in the in the memory of what you've just witnessed, and you begin making your way back towards your house. Every now and again, un, whether by choice or not, you're glancing back over your shoulder, almost expecting to see her following, um, because that sensation you had previously that she's there watching you is now you feel it even more. And the, the beating of your heart in your chest is, you, you can almost feel it. It's almost like, it's almost like you know someone is trying to keep pace with you, but every time you glance, there's no one there. Once or twice you catch eyes with someone that is walking behind you, and as your gut kind of twists, almost expecting it to be her, you realize it, it's not, it's someone else. And they're completely innocent in their attentions. Um, they're, they're either looking at their phone, or they're looking ahead, or they kind of meet eyes with you almost as a, almost in an ask and sort of what and you just kind of glance at them and then continue walking and before long you manage to get back um, to your abode and you you step back inside and I'm assuming the front door yeah cool so you step back inside and the place is it, it's, it's a cool temperature um, and now with the, the the night going on as it is, <coughs> even with the buzz of the beers that you had, it still feels really cool in here. Uh, and as you kind of step into the living room, um, making towards the bathroom, maybe to try and splash your face, you suddenly stop and glance in the dark towards the mirror. And there, 
directly behind you is a black shape in the doorway. Around. Okay. This time, the image doesn't vanish. She is there, and she is stood in the corridor between you and the front door. And it's impossible to make out her features, given that the the light, the there is no light in the house. It's still dark. You haven't flicked on any switches, but you know it's her. You know that height. You know the the outline of the hair, and you know she's facing you. You can feel her eyes on you. She's not saying anything. She's not moving but you know she's looking at you. And in a curious kind of attention to detail way, a thought kind of kicks in and you you can't hear her breathing. You can hear your own, but it's almost like she's holding her breath. And then she takes a step forward and then takes another step forwards and then stops. At this point, I've got um, one foot behind the other sort of in a pose as if run or maybe flight because I'm completely unsure what the hell she's doing she takes another step forwards and then another and then she's right at the threshold of the corridor and then one hand comes out and presses on the wall and it's almost illuminated by the moonlight coming in from one of the windows and it's exceptionally pale and you can see just in the crevice of her fingers a red crimson glow and then another hand comes out and presses against the other but this one is impossibly long and crooked and the fingers are gnarled and almost like sharp tree roots and it touches against the wall but you can't make out any other details because there's no light on it but you can see that silhouette it is three times the size of the other one impossibly long and sharp and it touches the wall and just slowly moves down it without scratching it but just moving down it, almost like she's caressing it and you can still feel her staring at you and then it moves up and pulls down again why are you here or initiative um, this would be Yep, sure. Yep. Do that while I'm okay. recording. Okay. Roll initiative. Sixteen. Okay. The moment you kind of watch that hand come out and there's a kind of twist almost like she's canting her head at you. Again, you cannot make out the, the features, but then all of a sudden there's a flash of movement and she closes the distance between the two of you with impossible speed. And the in the, ha the inhuman hand is just trailing along behind her, almost like it's gone limp. And it's that one that you're kind of watching for out of the hesitancy. And you don't see as the other one comes around towards your face. And it connects with your jaw with such force that you are sent spiraling back off your feet and you slam down into the chair that's beside you and it topples over but then she immediately starts moving over towards you reaches down and grabs you by the collar and then lifts you and as she pulls you closer you can see that pale face of hers just coated with red say end it and what what are you doing? 
head's going to rear back. <laughs> I'm going to try and head by the nose. Okay. Yeah. Make a uh, dexterity plus brawl check. Dexterity plus brawl. So that's. Difficulty six standard. Uh, that's uh, four success. Okay. Two tens. Okay. She doesn't move, and as you rear back and smash into her head, it's almost like bringing your head down on brick, and you feel the sensation, and it kind of makes your eyes go white. And as you kind of look away, her head, which is snapped back, just slowly turns back towards you. And there is a slight cut, but there's no blood coming out of it, and she just looks at you. And then the grip upon your shirt tightens, and she flings you impossibly hard off of your feet towards the far wall, and you smack into it, and you feel the the impact and the pain shoot through your back where your lower half has struck the side of the table and your arm has just gone through the window and you can feel the shards of glass rip into your arm not in any uh, dangerous way but you can feel the cuts going down your arm and as you look towards her she steps again and again and then stops and then lifts the other hand say end it No. She charges towards you. And this time, as she goes low, she comes up with impossible speed and her fist goes into your throat. Doesn't breach the skin, but strikes the windpipe with such force that you can feel it clamp shut and you can't breathe. And the moment she struck you, the other one comes across the front of you, just close enough where it opens the front of your stomach in a shallow but impossibly sharp and painful cut. And you can feel the blood going out and as you put your hand and come away, it's it's red. And you look towards this hand that is, now that it's closer, the skin is impossibly taut along elongated nails, the middle one of which is at least three to four feet long. And as she pulls it away, she lifts it again and then rakes it down your arm which splits almost like you're, she's unzipping the flesh and you can feel the muscle become exposed underneath and the blinding hot pain that ripples through your arm is momentarily forgotten only by the impact of an impossibly strong punch going into your rib and you feel it snap underneath the, the flesh and the muscle, you feel it. And all of a sudden, the difficulty you're having breathing intensifies by the piercing sensation of a rib puncturing your lung. And then as you begin sliding down, she reaches down with her human hand and grasps you by the throat. And again, she pulls you close. Saint. and it begins tightening. The last breath I'm going to go, fuck you, and try to swing. As you try speaking, the, the gurgling that comes forth because of the impact of the windpipe, because of the punctured lung, because of the grip, 
you bring your arm around and it strikes her, but there's not a lot of strength left in it, um, even as it bleeds from the cuts. And it strikes across the lower part of her jaw, but her jaw barely moves. And as she brings it back around towards you and you lift it again, the other arm presses down onto the other one and the finger begins puncturing through the center of your hand, almost nailing it to the floor. And then she lifts it and then she punctures it through the middle of your wrist. And then she lifts it and then punctures it through the top of your forearm. But even as you're glancing down, watching this thing just puncture, puncture, puncture further up your arm and you feel the blinding pain go through. All you can focus on is the blood beginning to pull out of the wrist from where she punctured it in. And every time she lowers and there's an increased savagery in the way she's doing it, that face is close. And as the grin begins spreading, almost inhumanly, you notice as two fangs begin elongating just past her lip. And then the grip that she has on your throat removes. And she steps back and almost sits back on her knees just to watch you as you're gasping for air and looking down at this pool of blood going from your wrist. And you know enough from basic medicine that, that she's hit a vein. And this is important. Although your mind is racing with everything that's currently going on, it's hard for you to figure out what to do or why this is important. There's that brief moment of simplicity that goes through your mind as she just sits and stares at you, sat back on her haunches. And then she lifts the arm again. And then rakes it across your stomach. And you feel it open. And you feel a weight shift as parts of you just begin to spill. And absently you reach down and try and cup it more out of instinct than anything else. And the blood from your wrist begins pooling with the blood in your stomach. Not a chance. And the smile spreads. And then she reaches up with the deformed arm and places it against her mouth. And then when it comes away, you can see from the moonlight a gleam go down the wrist as her own blood begins spilling. And she reaches out with her other hand, grips your hair tightly, and wrenches it back, and then just places the deformed wrist into your mouth and against your impulse to try and pull away to try and remove it from whatever the hell she's trying to do as you struggle the force with which she's holding you is impossibly tight and then you feel something touch your tongue and then go down your throat and then the pain that you're feeling begins to numb and there is a sensation going down your throat and a sense of pleasure that is impossible to describe and insane given what you're currently going through, what's currently happening to you. All you can think about is the taste of whatever this is going down your throat and you want more of it. And against every impulse you have to try and wrench her away and push her away and get free, your lips seal shut around this hole that she's poked through her own arm and your tongue begins moving of its own accord taking up every single trace of this liquid that you can and you can feel a strength begin building in you but then as she wrenches it away inadvertently you reach for it with your good hand 
which she just pushes down against the floor. And every time you lift it again, she pushes it down again and then just watches. And every time you make a movement, she forces you down. And as the sensation of that taste, that need you have to experience it again begins to abate, you suddenly realize the reason why you feel so cold suddenly is because you're, you're dying. And it suddenly recalls upon you with lightning clarity. You're bleeding from your wrist. Your, your stomach is open. You are dying. And it's only then that as things begin to fade and you just watch her silhouette, oddly placed from this angle, almost against that very same window that you've seen her so at so recently, you can hear on the edge of everything else. And then your arm falls. And then everything you know fades. The hearing, the sound of your heartbeat, what you're seeing as your head lolls to the side, the pain, it all goes. And then suddenly it returns. That pain, it builds and it's increasing. It's beyond whatever you were experiencing before. The numbness that had staved away the worst of it is gone. And as you kind of glance down, you watch as the your innards, which has been forcibly pushed back into your body by this woman in a very forceful way, the wound is beginning to seal over it. And as you're glancing down at her, you can watch as what blood was trickling out of your wrist is now merely a dribble and it dawns on you that the the wound around it is pale very pale and your arm is pale and you, the coldness is it, it's not there anymore it's but the numbness is is building and there's sensations there that you should be feeling that that you're not your your, your chest is not rising and falling as you reach up and lift, watch your hand, it is, it's only moving because you are consciously making it move. Every movement is not instinctual, it is there, made to happen. And your eyes, you're not blinking. It's, it's something you only notice in the moment, but then you force yourself to blink out of reflex. And then you look at her, who whose arms now are human, covered in blood, but human. And she's just sat, haunched back, hands in her lap, just staring at you, just watching. Almost like a child studies something really curious and gripping. And you feel a very sharp and very sudden pain grip you in the stomach. You, you felt the pain of having your your stomach opened before, but this is different. This is like someone is pushing every ounce of your stomach in, and when you get to the point where you think it couldn't get any tighter, it does, and it pushes, and all you can focus on is this, and all you can suddenly feel and focus on is the feeling that you are dying all over again. And it hurts, but you can't move. 
and then the smell grips you and you can involuntarily your nostrils go and then as your eyes unwittingly turn towards the doorway with which she's gotten up to and moved she opens the door and you see two dogs begin moving out of the door sniffing and looking and as they kind of notice you their tails wags and their heads go low but that's not what you can focus on all you can see aren't two dogs there Uh, one looks to be a golden retriever. Um, another one looks to be uh, a, a young Alsatian. And they're both kind of wagging, looking around uncertainly, and she's just observing them. She gently reaches out and strokes the back of one. It licks her hand. And then she just takes a step back. And against your own volition, your hand is slowly pulling you closer to them. There's not much strength left in you, but all you can focus on is these dogs, and all you can hear is the and all you can smell is there's something there. There is something intoxicating about these dogs. You can smell it, and that smell is drawing you in. And you're not even focusing on moving your body anymore because it's doing it itself. And you reach over and you sit, kneel between these two dogs, covered in blood, covered in your own blood and your ripped clothes, and you absently reach up and stroke them as they come and sniff you, sniff you, lick you, and all you can focus on is... And you feel something in your, in your mouth. You feel a sharp pressure there. And against all self-control, your head suddenly sharply turns and bites down into the neck of one of the dogs, which yelps and twists and tries to move away, but your arm tightens, pulling it in towards you. And as the other one whimpers and tries to move, you hold it in place and you feel the sharp pain as it bites down into your wrist, but with a savageness, which you didn't know you had and you're only scarcely aware of, you twist and you feel its neck break. And then you hear it just but then that dies away because all you can feel, all you can focus on, all you're aware of is the the sensation, the warmth, the pleasure that's rocking through your body as your body spasms as you feel this liquid being poured into you. And that pain, that gripping pain, which was impossible to ignore, is slowly abating, very slowly. And it's not gone entirely, but it's still, it's better and it's lighter. And then as you kind of blink, looking through this tussle of fur just over your eyeline, you lift away, the dog drops dead. And even as you kind of realize in a sharp sensation of horror what the hell you've done, even seeing this, your hand is already reaching for the other one and pulling it close. And in a haze of semi-consciousness, you lower your head and bite down into this dog. And you can feel in your lip the sharpness of where its, its neck had broken. But that drifts away again as the the taste of it fills your mouth. And then there's nothing else, there's no more pain, there's no more sharpness, although there is a dullness that is now spreading through you. And as you finish, the clarity that you now have is is mingled with the horror of what you've just done and what's just happened to you and everything you've experienced since you walked through your door. Before that, when you walked from the club, 
and as you kind of lower the dog, this time with more control, you sharply turn towards where you expected that woman to be. And she's not there anymore. And you look around and you listen with sh- senses sharper now than you realize you had before. You can hear everything, you can hear animals making noise in the, in the next house, even if they're stirring in sleep. You can hear the foot tread of people outside your door. You can hear cars, which you're certain of another street over you can hear them and there's a brief moment of warmth as you kind of look at your hands which have gone from pale to red and then slowly receding back to pale and you glance towards the front door as you hear it slammed back shut almost as though blown shut by the wind and then as you instinctively move towards it and open it you glance but she's not there anymore she's gone what do you do around to see if there's any potential way I could track her. Okay. Unlikely. In what way? Um, just have a look. Have a look around to see if I could figure out any what way she might have gone. Okay. You you go wandering back and forth down your street and even as the horror of what has just occurred riddles through you you can still you're still looking at the place around you as though seeing it for the first time and you can still feel the sensation of the dog blood going down your throat and as you kind of touch your lips you feel it come away red um, and you continue moving listening looking for this woman almost in like a semi-fugue state aware of where you are but only almost like you're an observer rather than an active participant and you circle the block, but you don't see her. There's not many people out at this point, but you look anyway. You look in the alleyways, you look in the, the storefronts, you look everywhere for her, but she's not there. And then, as you finally make the full circuit back towards your house, you feel a very deep, lethargic sensation go over you and you feel sluggish, you feel heavy, and you glance towards the skyline and the buildings that kind of crest it, and in the pit of your stomach you feel a deep and primordial fear begin to build, and you have no idea what it is or why it's there, but you feel it, and it's coming from that direction. You don't know what it is, but something is telling you, fucking move, run. Um, back to my- back into mouth fast I can you slam the door and as you seal it behind you you turn back towards the living room which is shattered and broken and the two, the bodies of the dogs there you, you glance between them all in a kind of haze and you feel that sluggy sensation and you almost trip over one of the dogs as you move into the living room and you glance towards the skyline which is slowly growing red and you, you know it's getting to the early hour of the morning as you glance towards the clock and that primordial fear builds and builds and builds and without really understanding why, rather than retreating towards your bedroom, you move towards the bathroom and pull it shut behind you. And as you kind of stagger and sway, you still feel the pain building and that fear, but you backpedal and backpedal and then slip as you fall backwards into the shower 
and the curtain falls down around you and then your eyes just shut and you are moving. And that's where we end. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Blood on the Thames. We really hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making them. If you want to watch us playing live and interact with the cast, find us on Twitch at 7pm UK time every Monday. Follow us on Twitter for latest updates, but most importantly, thank you. We couldn't do this without you.